Good morning, Toronto City Church. Pastor Samuel here. This is our last week of our sermon series on Abba. I am excited to talk to you guys about our Heavenly Father. So without any further ado, let's jump in, let's pray, and let's dive into our notes this morning. So Father, Father, good, good, good Father, we welcome you in this place, and we ask you that you would reveal yourself to us, God, that we would learn about your fathering this morning, God, that Father, that we would experience your Father. And Father, we ask, Lord, that you would arrest our hearts, Father, with your, the knowledge of your goodness, of your good, good, good Father. And God, I pray, Lord, that it would be more than the songs that we sing, God. It'd be more than head knowledge, God. God, I pray, Lord, that we would believe your word this morning. And Lord, that we would experience your fathering, your fathering, your perfect fathering. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Man, amen. I want to talk to us this morning about our good father. Our good father's desire to lavish good gifts on us. It is his desire to lavish good gifts on us. But before we talk about his desire to lavish good gifts on us, I want to focus on this thing, good father. What does it mean to be a good father? You see, John 1, 12 says this, but to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. So that is us. If you are a Christian, if you have Jesus in your heart, you are a son or a daughter of God. What? This is the all-powerful, all-knowing, all, all, like just big, God, and you have been given the right to be his daughter or his son. You see, God's original intent has always been family. He's always wanted us to be family, him as father and us as children. And that's the way that he set up his kingdom. And then the way that he did it is that our earthly fathers were supposed to be or are supposed to be a representation or an extension of his fathering. So how we relate to our, our earthly father or how they relate to us was meant to be an extension of his fathering. See, some of our fathers did a fantastic job. So it's easy for us to think, okay, good father, our heavenly father, and to make that leap, some of our, our earthly fathers didn't do such a good job. So when you hear good father, you're like, wait a, wait a second, time out. You go right away to your experience the experience that you've had with your father. So it's harder for you to believe, to accept, to understand what, what God says when he says that he is a good father. So this morning, I want us to go on a journey through the Bible to see what God's fathering looks like. What, when he says he is a good father, what he means. So first and foremost, he is an attentive father. He knows us intimately, man, oh man. Our Father, our Heavenly Father, is attentive to us. Psalm 139 says this, God, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I rise, you know when I sit, you are familiar with all of my ways. Matthew 10, 30 says this, even the very hairs on your head are numbered. What? Psalm 139, 6 says this, your understanding of me brings me wonder and strength. We have a God who knows us. He is attentive. The word says, we just saw, it says, his thoughts towards us outnumber the sand and the seashore. 
He thinks about us. His, he has good thoughts towards us. He is attentive to our needs. He is attentive. He knows when we sit, when we rise. He knows every word that's about to come out of our mouth. The Bible says that he knit us together in our mother's womb. He is attentive to your need. He is not a distant father. He is not a father that is disinterested. He is attentive to your very need. See, my youngest daughter, Zalia, she is like my firecracker, my go-getter. She can't yet like communicate and put full, she can communicate, but she can't put full sentences together. So there was a time where like, you know, like now she has little words here and there, you know, daddy, mommy, so on and so forth, water. But there was a time a few months ago where she like, she just didn't know. She just yelled She'd be like, ah! when she wanted something. So um, there were times where I'm busy doing something else. Sometimes it was like, you know, you know working because we're all working from home. And all of a sudden, I would just feel someone tugging at my leg. And she'd just be like, ah! Ah! And I'm like, what do you, what do you, what do you want? Ah! And, then, and then I was just like, I just would look at her. And depending on the scream and how she would tug at my leg, I would understand, oh, she needs water now. And I kid you not. When I would get what she needed right, there was so much joy on her face. She was like, yes, you know me. You understand me. You see me. And you know me, an imperfect father, I can understand the yearnings of my daughter who yet can speak English or French because we speak French in our house. Our heavenly father, even before we scream, we let, we let out the yell or whatever it is, he knows us. He understands us. He anticipates our needs. He is familiar with us. All, all of our ways. So number one, when God says he is a good father, one, one attribute of his goodness, of his fathering, is that he is attentive. Number two, he is a faithful father. God, knowing that we will be flawed, still chooses us. us. Jeremiah 1, 4 to 5 says this, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Ephesians 1, 11, 12 says that he chose us when he planned creation. Psalms 139, 13 says this, For you were created, you, for you created, pardon me, my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Romans 5, 8 says this, But Christ has proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place while we were yet still lost and ungodly. God is a father that loves us beyond our faults and mistakes, and he is not intimidated by our mess. He is faithful to our hearts. He is faithful to us when we're doing well. He is faithful to us when we're not doing well. He is faithful to us when we get it right. He is faithful to us when he is, he loves us when we fast. He loves us when we're sinning. He loves us when we're in our mess. He loves, there is nothing Nothing, nothing that can cause him to stop loving us. He is faithful to us in every season. He is faithful to our hearts. He is faithful to his promise over our lives. The Bible says that he watches over his words, his promises to see them come to fruition. He is a faithful father. Your heavenly father will not give up on you because you've made mistakes. Your heavenly father will not, will not turn his back on you because you're not getting it right. He is right there. He promises that he will never leave you nor forsake you. Romans Romans 8, 38 and 39 says this, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, not, neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, nor fears for today or worries about tomorrow. 
Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creations will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing can separate us from the love that God has for us. His love towards us is is constant, consistent. He is a faithful father. There is nothing that you can do. There is nothing that you can do that will cause him to stop loving you. He is a faithful father. That is number two. Number three, he is a considerate father. He considers you. He is a father that has us on his mind. Man, he thinks about us, he has planned our future, and he has ordered our steps. Psalm 139, 17, 18 says this. This is in the Passion. Every single moment, every single moment, every single moment, you are thinking of me, man. Just anyways, man. How precious and wonderful to consider that you cherish me constantly in your every thought. Not only does he think about us, but he cherishes us constantly in his every thought. It's not like he's thinking about us. He's like, yeah, you know what, Samuel? He messed up. He's doing this. He's doing that. But he cherishes us constantly in his every thought. And aside, you know, I laugh at my wife because we'll like, We'll plan dates. We'll be like, you know what, let's go away, just the two of us. You know, we need, we need, we need some lover time, need, need time, we need some time to just, you know, to, to have some good conversations. So we'll go, we'll go to a restaurant, we're talking, and we make a rule. We're like, listen, we're not going to talk about the kids. Don't talk about the kids. You can't talk about the kids. You get there and you're eating food, and then all of a sudden something happens. You're like, oh, remember when Zaire did this? Remember when Zoe did this? And then you start to cherish, we start to cherish our children in our thoughts because we can't stop thinking about them because we love them so much. And our Heavenly Father, it's the same way. Every thought, He thinks about us more than there is sand in the seashore, and he cherishes us in every thought. He, he is a considerate father. Let me continue. It says, Oh God, your desires towards me are more than the grains in the sand on every seashore, what I was saying. And when I wake each morning, you are still with me. Man, it is so wonderful, so beautiful to know that we have a father who is so considerate. Psalm 139.5 says this, You've gone into my future woo, to prepare the way, and in kindness you follow behind me. You spare me from the harm of my past, and you've laid your hand on me. On me. God has gone into your future. That's how considerate he is. He has gone into your future to prepare a way. Wow. He has gone, he has thought through your future, and he has said, I'm going to prepare a way. I'm going to clear the way. I'm going to make sure that my child is successful, that my child has all the tools that they need to succeed. I'm going to make sure that my child is provided for. I'm going to make sure that my child is, is protected. I'm going to make sure that my child is in community. I am going into their future to make sure that they have what they need for the day that is coming. Wow. And he also says this, and in your kindness, you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past. In his kindness, because he is so kind, he falls from behind. He says, the mistakes that you've made yesterday will not affect you today. 
what the choices that you've made, I am protecting you. I am covering you. I am surrounding you so that you, I'm having mercy on you so that what you've made yesterday as a mistake doesn't affect you today. That is how considerate he is. He is a considerate father. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Our father, your father, has a plan for your life. He didn't just put you on earth and said, hey, go, go figure yourself out. And you know, so it's like that, that, that father, that, that mother, or that parent who takes the child. I remember I was watching some sort of show. He's like, man, I can't. They're talking about swimming. And the, the, the person was like, man, I can't swim. I hate water. And they're explaining why. He goes, because my dad, what he did is he took me and just threw me in, in the water. And he told me, just, you're either going to swim or you're going to sink. And you're going to drown. God doesn't do that with us. He does not do, he has a plan. He doesn't just throw us in life when we're born. He's like, well, figure it out. I don't really have a plan. Like, you're not a mistake. You are not a mistake. The Father planned, has planned out your life. And not only that, but the plans that he has for you are good. To prosper you, to establish you, to give you a hope, to give you a future. And for those of you who are listening to me who's, who, who have gotten their hopes stolen from the enemy, I want to tell you this morning that the Father desires to rekindle the hope that was once in your hearts. Where now you feel like, hey, tomorrow there's no hope, what's the point of living? The Father has a good plan for you. It's not over just yet. It is not over just yet because you have a father who is good, who is kind, and who has gone into your future to make a way for you. And even if today feels like, I don't even know how I'm going to make it out, you have a father who, who is with you and in kindness, in his kindness supports you and has gone into your future. He knows your tomorrow, and it is, one of, it is a good future, one that is full of hope. So number three is we have a considerate father. Number four, we have a generous father. He is a father that desires to lavish good gifts on us. First Timothy 6.17 says this, To all the rich in this world, I command you not to be wrapped up, wrapped in thoughts of pride over your prosperity or rely in your wealth. For your riches are are unreliable and nothing compared to the living God. Trust instead in the one who lavishes upon us good, all good things, pardon me, fulfilling our every need. I'll say that again. Trust instead in the one who lavishes upon us all good things, fulfilling our every need. He is a father that is generous, who lavishes, lavishes. He doesn't spare. To lavish means you are giving without measure. You are, he lavishes all good things, fulfilling our every desire. He is a generous father. He is, our Father in heaven is generous. He lacks no good thing. Matthew 7, 9 to 11 says this. Jesus says, you parents, me, parents, if your children ask you for a fish, do you give them a snake? If my child came and asked me for for fish and I gave him a snake, y'all will call social insurance on social insurance. Social protective service on me, CIA, 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 CIA. 
I don't know what it's called. You would call the police on me. You'd be like, listen, that is a bad father. And we know not to do that. We know not to give. If our child asks us for bread, it says this, not to give a rock. If our child asks us for fish, not to give a snake. And he says, Jesus says, of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, if we who are imperfect, if we who are sinful, we know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? She is a generous father who's, who desires to lavish good gifts on his children. Because we who are sinful, if we know how to give good gifts to our children, it is my, it is my pleasure just right now, um, our children are learning how to ride, ride bikes. Um, we bought Zaire our first, his bike, and like he was so happy. He's like, oh, dad, this is so cool. And it has like little like fire decal on it. He's like, oh, dad, this is a fire bike. This is a fire bike. This is so cool. And the joy that he had on his face because he received the gift filled my heart with joy. Now his sister came down the, 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 stair, the stairs, and she's like, oh, dad, where's my bike? We had planned to give her a bike, um, to buy her bike, but it hadn't come in yet. So we're like, Zoe, don't worry about it. Your bike is going to come like on, on Sunday. This is like Friday. And from Friday to Sunday, she's like, oh, is my bike here yet? Is my bike here yet? Is my bike here yet? And I was so excited. Both my wife and I, we were so excited for her to get her bike because we knew how much joy it would give her heart. So she got her bike. She was so over the moon. On Sunday, we went and picked up her bike. She was so happy. She's like, oh, this is my bike. It's a little Paw Patrol bike, and it has Sky on it. Sky is a female Paw Patrol, for those of you who don't have children. It has Sky on it. She's like, oh my gosh, this is my bike. And she's sitting on it. She's like, nobody, she's like, Zaire, you're not going to play with my bike. No, nobody's going to play, because she's so excited about her little, not a little, but she's so excited about the gift that she received. But it is my pleasure as a father to lavish good gifts on her. And my wife often gets annoyed with me because my son, he knows this about me. And he knows that if he asks dad, and I'm a sucker, I'm a sucker for it, for all my children, if they ask me something, I'm just going to be like, ah, here you go. So my son will like ask for like the moon. He'd be like, okay, dad, for my birthday, I want Spider-Man to come. I want Iron Man to come. I want a, a new car and I want a trampoline. And now he knows like we've, we've been studying like cars and the of cars. He's like, yeah, I want, I want a Ferrari and I want a Bugatti. I'm like, okay. In my mind, legitimately, I'm like, okay, how can I make this work? Well, the Ferrari and the Bugatti, that's like, we're not there yet. So how can I get Spider-Man, Iron Man? How can I get you a cake? How can I get you a cupcake? Because it is my desire to lavish good gifts on my children. And I enjoy seeing them come to life when they receive good gifts. And me, I am a sinful father. I know how to do that. How much more a heavenly father? desires to lavish good gifts on you. See, our Father is an attentive, faithful, considerate, and generous Father who desires to lavish good gifts on us. It is His pleasure to provide. It brings Him great joy to lavish good gifts. As I was getting ready for this message, the Lord impressed on my heart one, to, to establish what he means when he says that he is a good father. But second is to remind us that it is his good pleasure to lavish good gifts on us. And, he t and, and 
as I was discussing, as I was talking to him, he's like, okay, I want, I want to remind my children on some of the top, this is not limited to this, but some of the top gifts that I really, I really enjoy giving to, to, to my children. So number one, it is the gift of his presence. So one of the, the best gifts that he desires to give us, to lavish on us, is the gift of his presence. Psalm 1611 says this, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures evermore. Exodus 33:14 says this, And he said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Acts 3:20 says this, That times of refreshing may come from the presence of God. John 14:26 says this, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, this is Jesus talking, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. 2 Corinthians um, 1 Verse 3 says this, Blessed be the God, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comforts. See, the gift of God comfort, the, the gift of God's presence provides us with one, fullness of joy, pleasures forevermore, rest, help, guidance, mercy, comfort, and peace. God's desire for us is to find what we need in Him. God's desire for us is to find what we need in Him. And when we start to find our peace, our comfort, our joy, our so on and so forth, outside of Him, in false comfort, in false things, we are shortchanged from the real thing. There's a whole heap of other counterfeit stuff out there. You know, you can find comfort in food. You can find comfort in, in, in sin. Um, you can found, find comfort in even people. But the Lord's desire is for us to find comfort, our peace, our joy, what we need in the gift of his presence first and foremost. Because in that, in his presence, the Bible says that we come alive. He has made us for his presence. And it is such a gift. It is such a gift. It is, it is, his, um, it is his good fathering for him to provide us the very best, which is him. He is God. The gift of his presence provides us with all that we need. He longs to be our source of joy, of pleasure, of rest, of help, of guidance, of comfort, and peace. And he is jealous when we turn to other things for that, because he knows that those are counterfeit. He knows that we're not going to be satisfied, and he knows that we're only solely satisfied in him, in his presence, and hence why he gave us the gift of his presence. Number two, a good gift, community. Psalm 68, 6 says this, God sets the lonely in families. See, some of us have been really battling this feeling of loneliness. And loneliness is, this, is a sense of sadness or unease, unease due to a lack of meaningful connections with others. 
in God's provision, in God's provision, in God's desire to lavish good gifts on you, he promises, he says that he sets the lonely, those who feel like they don't have meaningful connections with others, he sets the lonely into families. God promises you, God promises you that you will find community. God promises you that you will find your tribe. God promises you that you will find meaningful connections. God promises you that you will not be alone. And some of you have actually, um, because of your obedience to the Lord, you felt like you've lost your community, you've lost your friend, and you've been mourning, and you've been, you've been battling a deep sense of loneliness, and you've asked God, God, how long am I going to be alone? How long am I going to be misunderstood? How long am I going to be overseen? How long am I not going to be seen, overlooked? How long, God, how, how long? God says that he promises that he is going to place you in family. He is going to place you in your tribe because that is his desire for provision. And that is how the Lord provides. It is his desire to lavish good gifts on us. And part of the gift is this thing of community, is this thing of you knowing that you belong, you knowing that you're not alone. Even in the garden when he made Adam, he said, it is not good for man to be alone. It is God's plan for you to be in community. And the Lord says that he will place you in community. I think it's number three. Number three, gift the third gift is protection. Psalm 91, 11, 16 says this. God sends angels special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. God promises to protect you from all harm. It is his good pleasure to protect us. He has given his angels an assignment over your life to keep you safe from physical harm, from spiritual harm, from emotional harm. He has given, it is his good pleasure to protect you from all harm. Even me, when I'm out with my children, I'm not saying, you know what, I'm going to protect you from some, from some harm, but not all harm. I, I, I am like, I can at times be overboard. I'm like, listen, who are you talking to? Who's giving you candy? Stop running. Okay, no, you're going to do this. I, I feel like I have eyes in the back of my head. You can tend to, like, as human beings, because we're sinful, we can tend to, like, go towards fear and, like, lean towards fear. That's not what I'm talking about. But it is my pleasure to abide in a place, to reside in a place to protect my children. And if I had the means to, and if their lives were in danger, if I knew that they were in a war, I would, if I had the means to, I would hire people to make sure that they, they are protected in every, every circumstances in every way to make sure to keep them away from harm. So it is our Father's desire, our Father's good desire, it's our Father's will to protect us, to, to keep us, to guard us. You know, even in the middle of a pandemic, even in the middle of the coronavirus going buck wild right now, people getting, getting it, people getting sick, it is the Father's desire to protect you. And it is part of his provision plan. You know, like I said in the beginning, he lav- it's his desire to lavish good gifts on us. And part of his gifting package, part of his package is his protection. The all-powerful God says that you will be, if you are mine, you are, you are part of, you are under my wings, under my protection plan. It's almost like the, um, what's it called, Apple care. You're under God's care. And then last but not least, finances. 
Matthew 6, 26, 34. I'm going to read it. It says, consider this. Consider the birds. Do you think that they worry about their existence? They don't plant or reap or store up food. Yet your heavenly Father provides for them, each provides them each with food. Aren't you more valuable than your father, than, sorry, aren't you much, much more valuable to your father than they? So which one of you, by worrying, could add anything to your life? Why would you worry about clothing? Look at the beautiful flowers of the field. They don't work or toil. Yet even Solomon in all of his splendor was, was robed in beauty like one of these, was not robed in beauty like one of these. So God has clothed the meadow with hay, which is here for such a short time, and then dried up and burned. Won't he provide for you the clothes you need? You of little faith. So then, forsake your worries. Why would you say, what will we eat? What will we drink? Or what will we wear? For that is what the unbelievers chase after. Doesn't your heavenly Father already know the things that your body requires? The Bible says that if you are worried about where you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, what you're going to, like, where you're going to sleep, that is what the unbeliever, the unbelievers are people who don't have God as a father. Because again, if you remember, John says that those who believe, you've been given the privilege of being called sons and daughters of God. So us as believers, we need not to worry about these things. Because if you look at the birds of the sky, they don't work, they don't plant, they don't toil, but yet our heavenly father provides for them what they need. If you look at the flowers of the field, even Solomon in all of his glory wasn't clothed with the flowers of the field. Don't you think us who are far or worth far more than they are? Hey, the Bible says in John 3 16, God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son for us, not for the flowers, not for the birds, not for the animals, not for all these other things that he provides for. We are far more valuable than those things. Don't you think that because we are so, so much more valuable than the flowers and the birds and the animals that he provides for, don't you think that he's going to provide for us? His children. You know, David said this, or the psalm says this, that I have never, I've been old, I've been young, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their seed beg for bread. God is a father who promises to provide for us financially. He says, don't worry about it. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't, who here by worrying can add one day to their lives? Who by worrying can even cause one piece of hair to fall off of their head? Well, if you worry too much, you might stress and pull out your hair. But you know what I mean? <laughs> Who here by worrying can actually cause something to happen? No, don't worry about it. But he says, seek first my kingdom, my way of being, my way of thinking. Abide with me. Sit with me. Trust me. Trust my goodness, says God. And all those things will be added to you because it's my desire to give you those things. Like, like, like Paul said in Timothy, hey, don't trust, like even to the rich who have it, don't trust in your wealth, but trust in a God who desires to lavish us with good gifts and meet all of our needs. All of our needs. So in closing, I want to remind us of this, that we have a good father. We have a good father. We have a father who is attentive, who is faithful, who is considerate, who is generous, and who is, whose great desire, whose great pleasure is to lavish good gifts on us. He is a good father who desires to lavish 
good gifts on us. So Father, I thank you for this time. And I thank you, Father, for the knowledge, not even the knowledge, I, I ask, Father, that we would experience your fathering in our lives, Father, that it would go beyond what we know, what we hear, God, but I ask, Lord, that we would experience your fathering, that we would experience your generosity, that we would experience your faithfulness, that we would experience, Father, your kindness, that we would experience, Father, your thoughtfulness, God. Father, right now, everyone that is under, I pray for everyone that is under the sound of my voice. God, I pray, Lord, that they would experience you as the good Father. The Father, where there, there is a gap, where there's a lack, Father, where they, they don't really believe in their hearts that you are good. Where, Father, hope the fur has come in, where they've believed you, Father, for something, but they were disappointed, so they've made theology that is outside of who you are, Father. God, I ask, Lord, that you would break in right now. Lord, that, you, that they, would, they would understand, that they would know and experience your goodness, your kindness, your generosity. Father, your thoughtfulness. God, the same way that you've done for me in my life. Where, Father, without a doubt, I know that you are good. I know that you are kind. I've experienced, I've tasted and seen of your goodness, God. God, I ask that you would do the same for my friends. Lord, that they would know that you are a good father that they would know that you are a kind father. God, that, that your understanding of them will bring them strength, God. God, I ask, Lord, that you would place those who feel alone, who feel lonely into families, God. That, Father, the ones who feel unseen, that they would know that they're seen by you. Father, the ones who are crying, God, God, even that your word says, Lord, that you catch every tear that we cry in your bottle, that they would feel your comfort, God. You are the God of all comfort. Lord, that they would feel your comfort, Lord that they would know that you are by the bedside, Father, as they cry, that they would know that you are familiar with their pain, God, that they would know that they're not alone, Father, in the depth of despair, God, that they would know, Jesus, that you have a plan to prosper them, you have a plan to establish them, you have a good plan for them. Father, Father, we ask that you would do this for them. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.